0: him. you got to be run out of town. he's the gunfighter he hasn't a friend in the world he's the gunfighter he only wants to be left alone why don't they give him a break he's the gunfighter A lot of fun, isn't it? Right, you never know what's going on in the back of somebody's mind.
1: Welcome to the Corman Catacombs, the podcast where a film buff and a bimbo poke at the skeletons in Roger Corman's massive cinematic closet. My name is Sabrina, and I'm Robin, and we are about to embark on this journey through Roger Corman's massive filmography by starting with *The Gunfighter*, which. Although not a part of his official filmography, there's a very interesting reason for that, and it's still an important chapter to understanding his place in film history. Now, to start off, for those who may not know Roger Corman, he is a filmmaker, a director, a producer, writer. These days, he mostly does producing. In fact, he's still got some upcoming credits listed on his IMDb as a producer, and he's in his 90s. Oh my god, I hope I'm not working for that long. (laughs) Or if you are, it's because you love the work and not because you have to. Fingers crossed. Seemingly for Corman, I think it's just that he just loves to do it. (laughs) But... Well good for him Indeed indeed He does a lot of genre films Especially horror But he's also dabbled in other stuff Like sci-fi Fantasy Crime Westerns Such as The Gunfighter today Now the thing with The Gunfighter Is that When Roger Corman Got into filmmaking He actually was originally going to be An engineer Like his father before him And that's what he went to school for But he Managed to get A job at Fox Because A friend of his Their dad Knew somebody there And so He started out as a messenger at Fox, like, you know, scurrying around the studio, carrying not only just, like, regular messages, but also things like, you know, like, literal items. like film reels and stuff but he eventually worked his way up to being what was called a script analyst which basically just meant that he worked in the script department reading spec scripts that got submitted to Fox and if he thought they were good enough you know sending them up to the chain and maybe eventually they would get made into movies and so there was one particular spec script which was initially titled The Big Gun by the time it went into production it was retitled to The Gunfighter now the thing with The Big Gun is that not only did he analyze the script but he also did some rewrites on it and wrote some notes for it, which he did not get any credit for. Speaking of that script, uh it was actually a nominee for Best Motion Picture Story at the 23rd Academy Awards. <laughs> when the film came out, his boss got a raise and Roger Corman got jack-a-dick.
0: Oh my God, I would be so pissed off.
1: And he was. And so he ended up leaving Fox over that. And he used the GI Bill, because he'd had a brief stint in the Navy, to go gallivant off to Europe. He attended Oxford for a time and also had some adventures in Paris involving semi-professional basketball, sex workers, and camera smuggling. Now that's the Netflix show I want to see. <laughs> Fuck Emily in Paris. You know, I want to see Corman in Paris. <laughs> but then eventually he did come back to the states he did some script analyzing for a few different agencies before finally getting one of his own scripts sold and that script and the movie would be made into that's considered like the start of his official filmography but again i feel like the gunfighter is an important part of his story so that's why i wanted to talk about it today because that was a That was a seminal butterfly effect moment of if either he'd gotten the credit that, you know, he wanted for his work on it, or if he had, you know, grinned and bared it and stuck with Fox for a little while longer. Who knows what could have happened? Maybe he would have been stuck in the script department forever, or maybe he could have risen the ranks and become a more traditional film executive for Fox, which means that, you know, in that timeline, if he stuck with Fox and made movies mostly for Fox, that means most of them would be owned by Disney now. That's kind of funny to think about. (laughs) And also, if he had stuck with, you know, Fox, a major studio, and if he hadn't gone independent, it's possible that a lot of the people who he helped give, you know, a start to, I'm not trying to besmirch on their talent, you know, like, obviously, these were all talented people. But, you know, Hollywood is very cutthroat, industry very, and
0: very nepotistic
1: <laughs> yeah and very doggy dog and so you know being able to just get your foot in the door and get your start is, is still a really big deal and so it's possible that if corman weren't in those independent circles you know getting these unknowns and giving them a chance you know to boost them you know because as far as some of the people that he helped give a start we're talking martin scorsese jack nicholson francis fort coppola joe dante jonathan dem like If they either never get their start, because they, you know, if Corman never goes independent, or if they get their start in a different way, you know, because... How would
0: that affect their careers? And how
1: would that affect Hollywood, the way that Hollywood looks right now and like, some of the movies that they ended up, you know, making and starring in would either not exist or exist very differently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's weird how... Little things like that can explode into bigger things. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to checking this out.
1: Now, first, before you do, um, I wanted to show you... Now, one thing that's become, you know, iconic about a lot of Corman's older films are the film posters, which, of course, he didn't design them, but... You know, a lot of people, if you think of a Corman film, you're probably going to think of some of those classic posters. And especially back in the day, we're talking like the 1950s. You know, like, chances are, you know, maybe you saw the trailer in the theater, but the primary form of marketing would have been things like the poster. You know, you'll see them a lot, like, in vintage collections. Aww. So first, the gunfighter how are you looking at this one his only friend was his gun his only refuge a woman's heart (laughs) i love cheesy stuff like this i don't
0: know why (laughs) maybe i will find out
1: (laughs) eventually it's about it's a story of friendship a friendship between a man and his gun (laughs) do you think they'll have like a second act breakup (laughs) There's going to be a there's Please like, tell me that the
0: gun doesn't talk and we'll just move on it.
1: So, <laughs> there's going to be a comic misunderstanding. No one takes and the, the gun Everyone's gonna storm like off this in a is huff. Everyone
0: treats the gun like a person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the gun's and like somebody has to give the gun a pep talk. It's like, you know, you're not the same without him, you know. <laughs> you, you two belong together.
0: <laughs> you're partners.
1: You're partners. <laughs> Well, we will be back with our thoughts on The Gunfighter. (laughs) So, we just watched The Gunfighter. The Gunfighter. He's the gunfighter.
0: He's the gunfighter.
1: And his only friend is his gun. Unfortunately, not the riveting story of friendship conquering all that we were expecting. No! Gun-chan! Oh, well. (laughs) But interestingly enough, because I didn't know this initially, but so the main character played by Gregory Peck, his, his name is... Jimmy Ringo, because I guess Ringo needed something to do before the Beatles were formed. Uh, (laughs) And I assumed that he was just made up for the movie. But no, it turns out Jimmy Ringo was a real gunslinger. Now, of course, like any any biopic though, of course, they took a lot of liberties. And in fact, even as far as Jimmy Ringo's story itself, there's still contention as to how much of it was exaggerated over time and how much of the official story is actually true as well. Oh my gosh, that's so fun, because they play with that in the movie. Right, because there is a bit later on where someone says it's like, oh, and, you know, Ringo's killed 50 men, but Ringo claims that he only killed about 15, but... As far as how our story you, starts, you know, because there's a little, there's a little title crawl, you know, explaining. Okay, not a title
0: crawl, but yeah, just block of text.
1: <laughs> block of text. It's I like, like it, though. <laughs> instead of crawling, it's sitting. It's a title sit. Title a little, sit. It, it's a title <laughs> sit just saying it's the 1880s, you know, it's the days of Billy the Kid and Wyatt Earp, but also there's Ringo. And he comes into town. And the thing is... It, it's very much playing with that whole idea of you don't want to be the fastest gun in the West because once you get that reputation, everyone's going to be trying to outgun you. Because he's just like coming in, having a drink, you know, not causing a ruckus, you know, of his own accord. But he's tired. He just wants to... He wants some dopamine, damn it. <laughs> he, he, want, he wants some intoxication. And so... But then there's a guy at one of the other tables who spots him named Eddie. And he starts to pick a fight. He starts being all like... the. The insult that he uses, I had to write it down because I was like, what the hell? Because he's all like, oh, you know, Mr. Mr. Frazzlebottom over there.
0: That sounded so...
1: I want to use Frazzlebottom as an insult now. But then he draws on... He draws first on Ringo, and so then Ringo has to draw in self-defense, and he ends up killing the guy, like, pretty quick. And... The guys in the bar are like, well, you know, we're not going we to arrest you. We all saw you. that you didn't draw first. That this was in self-defense. He clearly started it. Here's the thing, though. Uh, he's got three brothers that aren't going to care who started it. They're just going to care that their brother's dead. So you better get the hell out of Dodge, which he does. And the three brothers pursue him, the three brothers. and
0: Three brothers. <laughs> but he manages, he manages
1: to catch him off guard in the desert, disarms them. Shoes their horses away and... And
0: doesn't kill them.
1: Right. I Because everyone's like, oh, he's such a tough, angry
0: badass. And it would be so much... E- it would have been easier to just deal with him right there and then. But he chose
1: not to. Right. Because he basically gives them an ultimatum. It's like, hey, you know, you don't want to keep on this course of vengeance. Just, go back home. Hey, Let just it-
0: go walk three hours that way. And you you can get out of my life and keep on living. But as soon as he leaves, they're all like, did we learn our lesson? Hell no! Yeah! Let's go try it. We can find a town going the same way he can.
1: Right, and that town ends up being Cayenne, which it... And it turns out that he is familiar with the town. He knows the marshal there named Mark because Mark also he's used to be got a gunslinger. he old claim there. Yeah, his, his wife, Peggy, although she's not using his surname anymore. She's using a different surname. And it turns out he's got a kid who he's never met, also named Jimmy. And Jimmy Jr. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs>
0: Is that, was that like symbolism that he was supposed to take on the father's legacy later? No,
1: I think it was more to show that Peggy still had feelings for, for Jimmy. Oh,
0: (laughs) right. Because...
1: Cause you'd think that if she hated her husband, she would like maybe if she could literally any other name, or if she couldn't like rename the kid, at least give him like a nickname so she doesn't have to call him his father's name all the time. So yeah, that's... call him
0: Jim instead of Jimmy.
1: I mean, if I were, if I really hated somebody's name enough, I I would change it to something entirely, like oh oh hey uh, shoe button or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't hey mat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, but speaking
1: of names, so like when the when the opening credits came up, and you know it's the casting, and of course, the only name that we recognize is Gregory Peck because you know he was in *Cattail and Mockingbird*. But there's another name that came up, and it just reminded me that it's like, yeah, this really was from a different time. There's a there's a cast member named Skip, Skip <laughs> Hollier, and and he ends up who names their child Skip? Well, it turns out that was a stage name because it turns out because okay. I, I, I I took a little bit of a glance at the Wikipedia. What?
0: How do you get the name Skip?
1: I, by by being a by being a skippy little whippersnapper, I guess like <laughs> that was just like that's just like a youthful like name that people had back then. Well, because like okay, I say like because think of how like you know Barbie is from the fifties, and what did they end up naming her little sister Skipper? Like <laughs>
0: Barbie's little
1: sister's name is Skipper. Yes, <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> but. It was the style style of the time. (laughs) So Skip Helmier plays a guy named Hunt, who very much like the whippersnapper in the introductory scene is, as soon as he hears Ringo's in town, he wants to prove himself. He wants to prove that he's a badass. But what's interesting about Hunt is that I can't tell whether or not they were trying to queer code him because oh God, he's I very much about that they, they paint him off as being a very much like a dandy because like the first we see him he's like getting his hair cut but what's weird he's is
0: probably got one of the best hairs <laughs> in the, of the male
1: cast yeah he's got very fabulous hair and like literally his posse is like just playing cards while he's getting his hair did but then as and i think it's also it's has like- to do with the cadence of his voice because he's not doing like a full like you know the stereotypical gay accent of like oh my god but i didn't didn't detect that there is a little bit of like there's some sort of lilt to it again i don't know if it was queer coding or if it's just they were trying to make him sound like a spoiled kid to emphasize that it's like he is naive and way too in over his head because at one point when he finds out ringo's in town and he like he's like you know fuck the haircut i gotta go see this ringo guy for myself barbara's literally like
0: I'm not done yet. I don't care. Right.
1: Right, but then he's but like Hunt is all like let's see the big important man. Like there's this like <laughs> sassiness. There's this sassiness and I can't tell if they're going for gay sassy or teenage asshole sassy, hormonal
0: teenager sassy.
1: Oh. Cuz like he's got <laughs> a mustache
0: but it's very and it's so thin peach
1: and wispy. Fuzzy. So- Thin. He's trying
0: so hard to be cool looking.
1: Unlike Gregory Peck's mustache, which is very. Oh my
0: thick. god. Gregory Peck. What the hell? And
1: you want to hear a fun fact? He
0: is. I was like, ooh. ooh He's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Man, pretty. Oh,
1: and a fun fact. He was.
0: Well, I guess the word is handsome.
1: So <laughs> that mustache was not you know, originally intended because the studio wanted him to be clean-shaven because that's how more recognizable he is. He tended to be clean-shaven for roles, but he wanted to have a mustache because, you know, that was more period-accurate to the time. But, like, so it w- it's both cool and more historically accurate. Right. But, so Hunt confronts Ringo in the bar. Like, he starts off by shitting on the barkeep. Not a good plan. Not a good right. plan since like, Ringo's starts the barkeep. You're team. watering
0: this shit down.
1: And then he, like, it's- comes over what are you talking
0: about this is the same stuff you've always been drinking
1: right and then he comes over to Ringo's table because at this point Ringo's trying to stay off in the corner and just vibe and like try not to be noticed but like (laughs) he comes over and is all like I think the barkeep is watering it down why don't you take a sip I want your opinion and like any jackass Uh,
0: god it was yeah. L-
1: yeah, like any jackass at a bar, he gets pissy as soon as someone refuses his offer of a drink. Cuz Ringo is having none. Of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, Ringo is like he's he I, again he's trying his darndest to not stir shit up. Yeah, cuz he's
1: not in town to stir up shit. He's in town to see his wife. He's only doing it so much as he has to do it
0: to defend himself right
1: because then the only way he's able to get hunt to back off is to be like i've got my gun under the table and i've got it pointed at you now get the hell out of here
0: oh my god hunt whines oh is that the caliber of man you are (laughs) he's like get going boy
1: right (laughs) and so he's he's wanting to see his wife and he's wanting to see his son who he's never known. Now, unbeknownst to him at first, his son is actually part of a crowd that's formed. There's a lot of schoolboys that have Are, congregated like, in front of the saloon. Giggling,
0: laughing, and they're like, ooh, we're going to see, we get to see Amanda today! Yeehaw! Fun!
1: And also, at one point, one of them throws a snowball from a pile of conveniently placed snow in this otherwise... Right! I, w- I was
0: wondering what the... F- where why is there a random snow b- i was is, is that salt no that can't salts valuable what the fuck is that why is that there
1: i mean maybe <laughs> i don't know i don't know much about california weather no I,
0: they didn't convey it they didn't show any i don't know snow. how much it, okay
1: but i don't know how much of that was due to the fact that it's black and white so if there was any additional uh, like light snow on the ground it might have been harder to see or it could have been i know that like you, you know touche, touche. you know how sometimes when there's like it you know a snowbank came and then it's warmed back up and like you shovel the snow like up you know out of the way and so sometimes the piles of snow will be there a little longer just because it's a oh, thicker okay. accumulation yeah. maybe it was like that but okay but yeah the the boys are being rowdy and literally all of them are there
0: because to the we point see, later we see the marshal going to the school because
1: that's where Peggy is that's where Ringo's so basically, wife
0: is the marshal and ringo made a deal that ringo was going to chill at the bar so he doesn't cause a ruckus any more than he already has and marshall was going to be his little messenger boy
1: because mark because trying like, to get
0: peggy to come to ringo
1: yeah because ringo's like i want to see my wife and i want to see my boy if possible so you know like you know send the message along and you know if, you know I'll, I'll respect her decision either way
0: which is a very interesting thing because We see I think I think I noticed this and you didn't that Marshall did not mention that Ringo was here to see his son in addition to seeing Peggy. He only talked to said that he was interested in seeing Peggy. He was being vague about that.
1: Well, and they That do, comes up later. And they do imply later, granted this doesn't go very far, but like yeah. one of the other characters, so among the people in the town that already know Ringo well and trust him is Molly, Molly. who is a singer at the bar. Unfortunately, we don't see her sing. I was expecting I know, that to come I know, we didn't up. get to see her sing. But she at one point talks to Peggy and she tells they her, They have like, a you woman-woman know, talk. Yeah, because she's like, you know Mark's got a thing for you. So like, like no, oh, what are you talking triangle. about? Mark, Mark, oh, Mark's just a
0: friend. And it's like, oh no honey but
1: i mean like but it doesn't but then mark doesn't do anything yeah it doesn't go much farther than that i guess it was i guess
0: i guess mark tried that was his only attempt was to be vague but thanks to molly also reaching out to peggy
1: she gets the full picture eventually but yeah so because peggy's the school teacher and she let the girls out since none of the boys showed up anyway it's like oh my gosh i love that 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 the one taste of gender equality those kids are ever gonna get right
0: (laughs) i was about to say i I thought that was a really interesting note that literally none of the boys showed up to school not even one of them
1: not even little jimmy even though your mom's the teacher (laughs) (laughs) but yeah he's in the crowd but he's like oh but i
0: got i want I to see what the fellas the fellas are doing it oh god that masculine peer pressure is
1: so cute to see in an old time he <laughs> but yeah and even big jimmy doesn't realize you know which of the kids is his because he like peers out and he's like i can't i can't tell if any of them are mine like none of them I, none look
0: of them like look me then mark mark the none of them has have a to mustache confer. like me <laughs> Mark <laughs> the Marshall has to clarify, yeah, I don't see him either.
1: So while the crowd is still gathered, so we already dealt with Hunt and his bullshit for now. But meanwhile, there's another guy by the name of Jerry Marlowe, who he goes up to his house, which is across the street from the saloon. Oh floor. yeah,
0: no, because we he learns from... One of the Karens at the grocery store. Right, because
1: of the people that are concerned about Ringo's presence are the women of the town. Like, basically every woman who isn't...
0: Who isn't Molly or Peggy think that Ringo is a murderer. And not just a murderer, a murderer of 50
1: men. They end up forming like a a swarm of Karens and go to the sheriff's office, the marshal's office. And I think it's really cute thinking of putting myself
0: in their point of shoes because it's like, as a woman with less rights... All you had was the ability to worry and speculate. You couldn't really, like, act on anything, but you could speculate on it. And that's all they could do. And, and, uh, it was like, uh huh. But, anywho, though, so that, then Marshall, well, because
1: that's was where speaking that one of, guy hears about Ringo. Yeah.
0: And then he posts like across from the bar
1: right like he's with a gun up in hand up in the bar. and his
0: wife is trying to tell him we don't even know for sure that Ringo is the one who killed our boy. Yes, I know he killed our boy. Or
1: the very least, I gotta do
0: this. You don't understand. Or
1: he's like, it was either him or his bunch. Like, there was a shootout at some point in the past, in the nebulous past, and his son Roy was killed in the crossfire, and he blames Ringo for it. And so he's like, so sniping he's like posted, like basically trying to snipe him. He's waiting for him to come out of the saloon. And of course, the wife keeps being like, "Oh, don't do this!" You know, we're like, finally getting on the
0: straight and narrow. We're oh, finally getting our lives back together. It's not going to
1: bring our boy back. The one thing she doesn't bring up, which I feel like is also a compelling point, dumbass. What if you don't hit him and you hit one of the kids scurrying around?
0: Oh my god, that's a good point. Oh god well, they didn't oh they couldn't afford to have kids on the set that day when they were when he was doing his sniping
1: well, They they I don't think they would have killed a kid back Oh well,
0: I know that but I'm saying for like from the production standpoint. That what if that was like an accidental thing that they forgot
1: to put the kids. Well, in that, Ringo alludes to the idea of collateral damage later. Well, okay, they are they even, did. wait, they do kill a kid, but it's off screen because that's part of Mark's backstory. Is the reason why Mark gave up the gunslinging life and went on to the straight and arrow is because there was a shootout that he was involved in where a little girl that just happened to be passing by was killed in the crossfire.
0: And he doesn't know he'll never know if one of his bullets
1: killed her, but it gave him so much guilt that That's why he left the life, and so Ringo is hoping that he can leave the life as well, because that's why he's trying to reconnect to Peggy, because he's hoping that, yeah, everybody in Cayenne and the surrounding area knows who he is, but maybe if they go up somewhere, maybe if they go northwest, maybe if they go to South America, maybe they'll be able to have a fresh start, and he wants to finally be a father to his son.
0: But we don't find that out until later.
1: Right, because at first, all he knows that he wants to reconnect, and slowly we realize he's got plans to— try to start over. But first he's got to deal with some of these old loose ends. And then I feel like
0: towards like the middle, like a lot of different plot threads go on. Right. Well, because first
1: we, like, so, you know, we know that Hunt is still out there kind of steaming and kind of, you know, itching. And we also
0: see the three brothers finally get a hold of some horses.
1: And make progress and they're coming into town as well and they're kind of trying to see where their opportunity is going to be. And the marshal
0: also gets his deputy to keeping up like stick with stick <laughs>
1: with Ringo at the bar, make sure he, you know, stays No more
0: hotheads like Hunt show up and try to stir troubles. But then
1: the thing is, because remember, across the street is Jerry the sniper. I will and- say though,
0: one of the few positive interactions that Ringo has is like when earlier when he first talking to Marshall, the old man interrupts and is like, "Oh hey, there's someone burning down my house." <laughs> Sorry and, to bother and, and, yeah, you. And, yeah, he's like, and he makes that comment. I'm not normally the type of man to interrupt men like you two, and I was like, that is a very interesting like line to say
1: because that's why because that's why the Marshall and on to top of the that, deputy. then later,
0: yeah, Marshall gets the deputy, and then the deputy's like, you know, he leaves his pistols at the office you know goes in lays the shotgun on you know by the front door which is i was like for me that's like oh god there's children nearby Uh. (laughs) anywho though but he lays the gun at outside of the bar just so he can be like hey ringo i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just here because i'm i was ordered to be here and ringo's like okay
1: but then ringo realizes because at one point he does want to like go outside for a bit but he realizes he sees the glint then from the sunlight he sees the, spot, the, the sniper and so he like and he pulls the deputy back like nope nope nope. like no, no,
0: no, no. you stay here and then i'm gonna go out the back and see if i can confront the sniper
1: which he does because he goes up into the building but and
0: prior to going into the building the wife and the husband have a moment where he's like just get out of here just go off with the family and i'll get with you later and she just has to resign and leave. I mean, it's very
1: much. There's very much the tone of. I know I'm probably not coming back from this, but you know, you go off without me. Gee, I wonder if that's going to come up again later. <laughs> but
0: so, because and, and as she's leaving, Ringo comes in,
1: and he's able to get the drop on. He's like, okay, drop hands your up. gun, hands drop up,
0: your, kick go. your gun, kick it now, kick it further. Yeah, because the
1: first kick he does is such a little like petty bitch <laughs> kick. It's like barely a <laughs> few <up little laughs> inches.
0: <laughs> oh God, was that? Was that Ringo, or was that Peck saying, "Hey, you need to move that gun further, silly"? Right. Was that <laughs>
1: was that in the or was that like, or was that a, a blooper that made it in? But- that
0: that still works though. I like it. <laughs>
1: and so he ends up he takes Jerry back to the marshal's office and I assume hopefully the house fire was dealt with because the well because like eventually the marshal comes back but not before the flock of Karen. the flock of Karen shows up Ringo
0: takes the sniper puts him in jail he he goes into the marshal's office just kind of lets himself in he probably just knows the layout of well a...
1: I mean the office is probably connected to the jail like
0: yeah he's probably been West inside West of a jail, jail before but anywho like, the though. point is
1: the, the, the flock of Karens is there and they're all like where's the marshal we want to talk to the oh Marshall. are you a deputy
0: uh
1: <laughs> no but I know the marshal which isn't a lie he- oh I'm
0: just a friend of the marshal
1: it's like, oh, we're so concerned about this ring. Ringo
0: character. How could they just let a murderer just prance around our fine a law about in town?
1: <laughs> and like, and he's kind of like playing both sides because they're all like, we think he ought to be hung. And it's like, no, oh, not you know necessarily. That, you know he's like, that is a perspective that, you know can be considered yeah like not necessarily a bad idea like he's he kind of, he doesn't oppose it like he well he, in a way he he's defends, kind of he defends himself when it comes in to a way he's he, kind of
0: like confessing in a way
1: yeah like but i mean he still defends himself when he's like i didn't kill as many people as i said or he you know he, he says
0: maybe he maybe for him he didn't kill him because he wanted to kill him maybe it was either them or him yeah
1: like maybe what are you
0: talking about maybe he was Maybe there was a misunderstandings and maybe he was put in situations where he either had to choose his life or someone else's life. And I was like, look at this baller. And
1: then and then the marshal shows up. And, you know, he kind of calms down the Karens a little, <laughs> only for them to realize it's like, okay, you know, thank you for raising your concerns. And it's like, oh, and, you know, say thank you to Mr. Ringo for hosting you while I was gone. It's like, thank you, Mr. Ringo. Mr. Ringo! <gasps> and <laughs> then they oh, oh, all <laughs> Oh,
0: my God. I thought that was such a beautiful moment. That was, like, one of my favorite parts of the film.
1: Right. <laughs> Well, how did their cow pokes and cow blokes and cow folks? This here's the interrupting cowgirl, here to tell you about a fun little factoid that Robert and Sabrina neglected to mention about the movie. Them silly city slickers did you know that the lady playing the head Karen is none other than Verna Felton if the name ain't ringing a bell you may recognize her voice she lent it to multiple classic Disney films for instance she was the mama elephant in Dumbo the fairy godmother in Cinderella the Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland And Aunt Sarah in Lady and the Tramp, you know, the one that brought the basket full of racially insensitive kitty cats. She was even one of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty. The one in the red dress who's named Flora which seems kind of backwards because you'd think that the one in the green dress would be flora and the one in the red dress would be fauna, but, hey, what do I know? I'm just a country girl out here rustling my cattle in the catacombs. Speaking of which, I better get back to it before they start cannibalizing each other again. But y'all have a good time now, you hear? (laughs) <laughs> like i realize the the very limited number of like sets that they use like how you said how a lot of it takes place at the bar or in other like indoor settings we can't we, we go, we go like back to oh my god it
0: is like we see the outside of the bar we see the inside of the marshal's office
1: we see the inside of the sniper's apartment and we see yep. the, ins- the schoolhouse but like you know again very like very play like it's not an action-oriented film like for a movie that's called the gunfighter and there it is action... gun violence but i, mean, I feel it's... like it's
0: more about it's less about gun violence and it's more about the, the consequence consequences of that
1: violence and it, i think that's probably...
0: really well so far
1: yeah it's like i get why it has good imdb scores but i also get why it doesn't you know it doesn't get referenced a lot as like one of the big westerns the way that like a lot of the John Wayne or Clint Eastwood movies. Because
0: do. they're not as action-y. They're it's talking very about key. It's in a way, it oh god, is this cowboy noir?
1: No, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> okay. But there was is a I don't know. I like the way it handled its themes up until this point.
1: Right. And by the way, another thing that because I was just taking a look at my notes. And I forgot that I put when it comes to Hunt that it's like he. I'm pretty sure he's the only one whose spurs we hear jingle. Oh, I
0: didn't notice that. My notes are just trying to remember what happened and names. <laughs>
1: And it's interesting that, like, they keep talking about, like, yeah, he's just, you know, he's older now, and, you know, he's trying to make up for the sins of his head. He's not that old, though, as we find out. Or at least not that well, old by today's standards. By standard. today's
0: standards. Because but, yeah, for point, then, though, yeah, he was probably ancient. Because... Well, well,
1: especially for that line of work. Like, not a lot of people get to retirement age in that line of work. Because he says, When you're a... Yeah. When you're a gunfighter.
0: Because he talks about how people make a big deal out of his life but it's not Nearly he's not hilarious. gaining anything yeah. he's fighting for his life every single day because
1: he, at one point he's like here i am at 35 years old and i don't even have a good watch speaking of which i double checked it gregory peck would have been 34 when this movie came out <gasps> no shit because has. when he said 35 like no offense to gregory peck i guess i'm just not good at telling people's ages because i was like sure he looks closer to 40 or something like he just rugged he looks rugged
0: he dude that mustache It made him look, gave him so much daddy energy.
1: (laughs) Even though we don't see a lot of death, death is definitely something that's like hovering over, especially because like Molly, she apparently had a brother and who was in a similar line of work as, as Ringo, and he's dead now. Like,
0: yeah, and she can't make a lot of friends because a lot of not apparently not a lot of want to people want to make friends with her because she sings at the bar
1: she sings at the bar and her brother was a criminal
0: right so
1: and and that's the thing is that ringo when he is able to talk to peggy he tries to be all like yeah you know i'm wanted but like like i said so we could go somewhere where nobody knows me because like it's very much that whole wild west i think he's i BS.
0: i think she makes a very good point though that he's, he's over famous. romanticizing he's, this
1: he's too famous now Peck, like...
0: It's like, no matter what, there will always be people trying to hunt him down. Because because Mark was able to get
1: out of the line of business before he gained a reputation, before his name was known by everyone, but everybody knows he know.
0: Because Mark even said that. The only reason why he was able to get away and do that was because he didn't have as big of a name as everyone else on the crew.
1: I was kind of... I was half expecting there to be, like, a bigger shootout at the end, because, like, we know that the three brothers are trying to get him we know that hunt's still out there but we don't end up getting that big of a shootout because then he does want to meet his boy but and and his wife allows it but not finally
0: at the towards the very end of the film
1: right because at that point peggy's like you know maybe i would have run away with you if it was just you and me but i've got the kid to take care to be worried about being on the run
0: is not a life for a kid yeah
1: and he's not gonna understand So so he's
0: like ringo's like please let me talk to the boy one time Before I head out and all while we know that those three riders they,
1: they, they figured out where he is. And so they're now like, they're hiding like in another nearby building and they're waiting for him to come out and get at him and we
0: so Ringo finally gets to talk to his son and the son doesn't
1: know it's him though and like we do see like the violence has become his life because literally his son just kind of like his son doesn't knock his son just like busts in and for a second Gregory Peck he reaches for his gun he like reacts instantly like instinctively
0: but he didn't draw completely right and the kid was like hey why didn't you draw on me if you're such a cool tough badass and Ringo has to explain to him
1: you never draw on on an unarmed man
0: It's like, you're an unarmed child. Drawing on you would be foolish.
1: Right. And and so, like, they just have a little bit of a talk. And, of course, he knows that that's his kid, but his kid doesn't know that that's his dad. But
0: um... Oh, God, yeah, because the first time you could see, like, that tension where Ringo kind of... Oh, God, he kind of, like, walks through the room looking at his son a little bit, kind of absorbing him, I guess. And the son kind of takes a few steps back and is like... (laughs) this is weird.
1: (laughs) Right. But like, and so then he ends up giving the kid back to Peggy and he's like, bye son. And I, and that double meaning of how like, you know, you know, the kid at that point probably just thinks, Oh, Oh,
0: that's just a euphemism that a lot of male people say. Not
1: a euphemism. Euphemism uh. implies that you're, you're like covering for something dirty or like, Oh
0: God. uh.
1: No, it's like more like It's like (laughs) like, like, by son, like oh yes, yeah, by sunny, yeah, like either like just a casual like oh bye sunny, sunny Jim, it's kind of like how
0: people is like hey honey, (laughs) it's like yeah, it's
1: like Bye son, that's
0: just something that they did,
1: and it's like sun and it's like sun casual and then sun affection like
0: at the same time so and
1: they and they really were starting to and like they did kind of a little in. bit they did kind of lean into the foreshadowing towards the end because like when marshall's like oh it looks like you're gonna make it after all and it's like bitch don't say that
0: and don't say that you can this is the most giddy we see ringo is towards the end getting to talk with his son and he's smiling he's like Maybe I'll be back in a year.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, Maybe, you, if, you, I get, you, you if I don't an eye get out into, for me. If I don't
0: get into any trouble for an entire year, I'm will you think about it? And she's like, I'll think about
1: it. Yeah. And so, and he, he gets the kid excited because he's like, oh, I'll probably be back in a year. So, you know, you keep an eye out for me. Oh, really? Oh, golly. Oh, geez. Right. And like.
0: <laughs> so, luckily, the deputy is able to snuff out okay. two of the brothers and then... Oh, what happens to that third one? I can't remember. Well, no,
1: I think it was like the the three brothers all got dealt with. But then the thing was, Hunt was also lurking.
0: Yep. And, and so just he, as Ring Ringo and he's was a
1: little bitch because he literally gave the deputy shit earlier. Because at one point the deputy like you know points a gun at him behind. Oh, his back the deputy. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't want you starting up another fight. And it... he's all like, Oh, you know, are we the kind of guys that are you know? Oh, like, lots of people drawn drawn behind our backs now. And he's got such a shitty little grin, like he is. Such a disobedient twink. He um, is...
0: <laughs> he is so pissed off. And that's all he can do. But yeah, and then what does he do at the very he, end? He's like, he basically does hey sneak Ringo! A, and yeah, shoots sneak him while he's
1: on his horse. like On his horse, while turned around. Yeah, And he gets a good walloping from mark unfortunately the wounds are fatal but he gives a nice little ending speech because i like oh, oh I'm man that's like oh. let it be known that i drew first it's like that's not true it's like
0: why you... i don't care if you do me any favors get slapped in the fucking mouth
1: by by marshall <laughs> but, March... but like but uh, gregory pecky's like he continues he he's like yeah, let it be known that I drew first, and you know uh, they want to hang you right in here, right now. If I, I wanted
0: to I, do you a favor, I'd let them hang you right here and now. But no, I won't. Now everyone's gonna know you as the man, man who, who killed, killed Ringo. Ringo. But now, now that you're means- gonna now- have to live the life that I went through. You're gonna have to live with being the big gun.
1: Just you wait, and then and then he di- and then he dies.
0: Ah, that is some pretty epic final words. Holy right. shit. Right, and so then
1: the marshal's like, yeah, you better get out of town. And so then it ends with... Oh, with, it God, with kicks Ghost. him right in the
0: fucking teeth, too! He, shit! That,
1: I think that's the bloodiest moment we get, is not right. from any of the gunshots, but from, like, him getting hit in the mouth, and we see, like, he's bleeding his, a little.
0: His mouth is covered in blood, yeah. and he spits it out a little bit.
1: But, so, he runs out of town, and so the ending of the film is... It's Ringo's funeral, and at the funeral. It's Peggy super crowded. Up,
0: There's standing room only. It's like. And Peggy introduces herself.
1: As Mrs. Ringo with her son, Jimmy Ringo. So. Um.
0: Everyone makes room for him to get into the front row. And then it
1: cuts to. They to start hunt. Singing,
0: singing church music, and then it.
1: Cuts to Hunt riding off into the sunset, which normally we view that as like a triumphant thing, but it's really a more foreboding. Oh, like, shit. He's, the cycle okay, of violence. You're is you funny about that? Because.
0: No, I actually. I misinterpreted that. I interpreted that as we're looking off into the past of this is, you know, I guess it's. Ringo's spirit being set free from the curse of being the big gun i mean
1: i can see that too but i feel like that's a little too triumphant for right. what they're going for as far as this more cynical look at how this is not a very well i guess it was blood.
0: i guess it was positive the only well it kind of stuff the town only get liked ringo at the very end
1: right
0: <laughs> after he was dead and then yeah fucking hunt writing r- off having to because he's gonna learn the hard way of what being, Ringo said. Yeah,
1: what being the gunfighter or the big gun or what have you really wins? What it means to have it where your only friend is a gun. <laughs> the gun has found a new friend. The gun's new BFF is Hunt. <laughs> Although, honestly, I don't think Hunt's gonna last very long. Little I don't like think, him. no! We see his ass
0: get kicked so hard. Oh, my God. He basically has to, like, go on the run now. <laughs> and
1: the guns in the cradle and the, the silver spoon. spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that...
0: So, what are we going to rate this?
1: Well, okay, because as far as, you know, when it comes to Corman films, and granted, this one's a special case because it's got... It, 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 it had his hands on it, but, you know, never officially credited. Not Non-official right. part of his filmography. Now, when it comes to the Corman oeuvre, You know, a lot of it people write off as trash. But, you know, trash still has, you know, like... It's It's place. it, It still has its place and it still has its value. But I believe trash is a spectrum and not a binary. For the purposes of easier classification, though, we have devised a system of there being four general points along the trash spectrum. So... If something is so bad that it's good, it's good trash. If something's so bad that it's bad, it's bad trash. If something's so good that it's fine, it's non-trash. And if something's so good that it's great, it's (laughs) (laughs) anti-trash.
0: That point turns into a dumpster diamond.
1: Yeah, it's like it's anti-trash. It (laughs) is the diamond in the dumpster. But I guess that's the first question is, would we say that this movie is trash or not? Uh, I'm gonna say no, this is not trash. Would you say it is simply non-trash or it is anti-trash?
0: Yeah, I'm not super gushing over
1: it. It's very simple and bare bones.
0: I feel like it could have used some tightening up because we did get to see Marshall talk about his feelings.
1: Because well, we did with the little girl when he's talking about the little girl's death.
0: I guess he could have done that, where I guess that's the implication, that Mark is now going to... He's,
1: he's going to become so, the new father figure, because...
0: Because <laughs> well, really, <does> Ringo even <laughs> says... Well, oh, God. You! Uh, I'm terrible. Yes. Uh,
1: but like well because ringo even says he's like oh and don't you start a fight with the marshall because as, as uh little jimmy asked him it's like who's the toughest gun in the west other than you it's like marshall marshall he doesn't even carry it's like hey don't you pick a fight with marshall you know he's the toughest guy i know
0: and yeah he can go to men barehanded, and i'm like dude
1: but like so i think the implication <sighs> I, I, I don't know that's the that's the, that's the I, solution I don't, I don't, to gun violence I don't I don't don't know I don't know if necessarily Peggy is going to hook up with Mark or if it's just going to be that Mark is going to become Jimmy's new father I guess
0: I like how it's open-ended where you can interpret it any way you want it so and in that way it's kind of
1: i know but it like, it's, it's pretty a, well it's like i haven't seen a lot of westerns but i'd say I, of I'm, honest, westerns, I'm, it's, a, it's a fine little movie it i'm, is, am, I'm
0: looking is, forward to getting my father's opinion on this because he loves western films and
1: i believe there are a few more westerns we have to look forward to right, right? Right? Hey, yay yay but before that oh though, god
0: i'm gonna say something silly yes it's probably the other way around this is i wonder if this is another one of those movies that Logan took inspiration from.
1: Very possible. I mean, granted, we know it took inspiration from Shane.
0: Shane, what's that?
1: It's the movie they're watching in the hotel, dork. (laughs) I care. I didn't remember. I don't... I didn't know what that movie
0: was. (laughs)
1: The Corman Catacombs is a production by Sabrina Stan and Robin Troy. Our podcast art and spooky tunes are by our good friend Elias. You can check out his artwork on Instagram at Don't Mind If I Doodle and Twitter at Don't Mind If I Do Too. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Corman Catacombs. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned as we journey further into the depths. Be sure to rate and review us. If you give us a five-star review, we may even read it on a future episode of the podcast and be sure to follow our social medias you can find us on tumblr twitter and instagram at corman catacombs if you would like to support us you can make a one-time donation on our ko-fi or you can share this podcast with a friend and just be sure not to stray too far or you'll be lost in the catacombs forever